and welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. My name is David Berman. I am the Daily Nebraskan's assistant news editor as of this moment. Um, and I also do this podcast with these with these fine, fine folks where we talk about some cinematic moving pictures. <laughs> moving pictures? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm Mia Everding. Uh, I don't use language like that. <laughs> Um, I'm a graduate student and uh, co-host of this podcast. And yeah, uh, as I already mentioned, I'm Kyle Cruz. I mainly just host this podcast and I guess no longer write reviews for the Daily Nebraskan. So I'm graduating in like two weeks. So I just Damn. published my last like written review with the DN today, actually. Um, wow. So yeah, sad, sad days. Thanks, I appreciate playing tap <laughs> Do you know what number that was? Like, how many reviews that had been? I have no idea. Okay. Should you should look it up. Can... Well, because if you do it on the website, you can say, like, sorted by articles. Yeah. I can look it up. You should. I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, uh, so with that out of the way, we'll just jump right into our first topic, which is what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? What And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about whatever movies or TV or whatever we've been watching and whether or not it was any good. Um, so yeah, as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been watching? Yeah, so I've been pretty busy lately, um, so I haven't been watching a ton. But last week, I watched a movie called Bad Trip, um, which is a movie starring Eric Andre and Lil Rel Howery. Um, and it's, uh, if you are familiar with Eric Andre's work, he's just a very over-the-top comedian, very, very funny guy. Um, and this movie kind of melds together like a prank show and an actual like narrative. So pretty much every scene is Eric Andre, Lil Ro Howery, and um, Tiffany Haddish. And um, they are forwarding this narrative about um, Eric Andre's character wanting to um, pursue his 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 um, lifelong crush and follow her to New York and confess his love. But every scene is um, done in front of like real people, real unsus unsuspecting people and all of the crazy things that happen. They are the only people who know that it's like a movie and they're filming it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's not like an amazing comedy, but it's it's definitely very funny. Um, and I think it's, I feel like it's something that could have gotten old really quickly. Um, but it's, I, I think the pranks escalate in a way that's like innovative enough and that, and, and interesting enough that it like remained entertaining throughout. So yeah, it, it was just a, a fun thing to watch on a Friday night. Dave, are you a watcher of the Eric Andre show? Um, I actually am not, but after watching this, I want to be. So. Okay, because that was going to be my question is, are the pranks in this somewhat along the lines of what the pranks in the Eric Andre show are? I, I assume they are. Yes. Because it's Eric Andre yeah. pranking real people. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Um, he, like, at one point, they're at the zoo, and he, like, walks into a, like, gorilla's cage. And it's very clearly, like, a man in a gorilla costume, but I guess it's far enough away that real people are um tricked into thinking that eric andre gets beaten to death by a gorilla and it's very funny um so yeah it's just dumb fun stuff like that so sorry i got distracted because i got a notification <laughs> pop up on my computer that mia reacted to something i shared on facebook while david was not <laughs> sorry so that's why i was like yeah um so sorry <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, Mia. So I'm I'm describing I'm just... this movie. We're trying to do a professional podcast here, and Mia's on Facebook just scrolling. I was through. supporting my good friend Kyle, who posted about it being his last review. This is true. I reacted heart. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on from there, uh, Mia. What have you been up to? Um, well, I know that I talked about this movie on the podcast last week, and I think I pretty much talk about it any chance that I get, but I watched a ghost story for, I would say the sixth time, maybe seventh, maybe fifth, can't really tell you. Um, one of my favorite movies, I think it was in probably my top 10 of the decade, um, when we did that one. (sighs) at the end of 2019 or maybe it was the beginning of 2020 i don't remember um yeah it's just one of my favorite movies i really like the way that it's shot it's shot with a certain aspect ratio um that's not like the super widescreen it's much more boxy it's like an old television set um i think it's like four or four three three aspect ratio or something like that um it's I realized this time around, because I try to force myself to pick something else up every time that I watch it. Um, It's, well, I think I noticed this before, but the cinematography is just stunning. Like, it's so, it's so subtle. And a lot of the shots, I think, that really stuck out to me were, like, KCF, like, walking around with a sheet over his head, pretending to be a ghost. But the way that it's just so quiet there's nothing else like there's no other sound going on they're just these really like subtle beautiful colors like this really soft color palette um yeah it's just really beautiful um there i love everything about this movie except one scene that just takes forever to get through and it's with this actor that i i don't think i've seen him in anything else i don't know who he is and i just hate the scene And I hate that it's a part of the movie because I love everything else that's in the movie. But I think next time that I watch it, I'm going to be a little bit kinder to like being receptive about what the actor is saying. But that's, that's, that's me. It's a spooky ghost story. Well, it's not really spooky. It's not spooky at all. It's so beautiful. It's a sad ghost story. It's a very sad ghost story. That's why I like it. <laughs> just, just trying to it guess what the movie a ghost, ghost story. story is about. Correct. I feel like I know both a lot about this movie and literally nothing because I feel like you talk about it a lot. Yeah. But I also just don't know what happens. Well, I think last week we were talking about it and you were like, we should watch it together. And I was like, no. <laughs> because I think it is the sort of movie that you do have to watch on your own. You just and need to watch it in isolation. Yeah, I think so. Just kind of be in a certain headspace, too. Because it's, it's very slow. Like, not much at all happens. Like, some of the scenes are, like, six or eight minutes long. Like, I know. But it's great. It's yeah, great. Yeah, I have a short attention span. I can't handle this. <laughs> I think you would like it. How long well, is the movie itself? I think it's, like, an hour 42 yeah, or so. Not too bad. Yeah. I think I can handle that, maybe. It's it's so beautiful like there's a reason i have a tattoo of it like there's a reason that i have a poster i one of my all-time goals in life is to have some film strip from it because i'm I'm trying to collect film because i like it and i would oh my gosh i can think of like the exact scene that i want and it would mm, beautiful because cinema is cool but also it's really hard to find film and it's so expensive so 
I don't know. Um, yeah, I wonder like what the process of even like finding film of it would be because I feel like uh, did it? Do you know if it played in like theaters on film? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Be hard to figure out, but yeah. maybe someday. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on from there for something completely different. I watched Spider-Man Homecoming this week. <laughs> um, so Spider-Man Homecoming, I have, sp- I've, we've, I think we've all talked about this movie in the past. Um, and specifically I've said that, like, I thought this was like the best Spider-Man movie period. I thought it was number one for me and I watched it this past week and I want to preface this by saying that I still really enjoyed it. I think it's a very good movie. But it didn't quite hold up as well as I hoped it would. Like, I think it definitely, I think my major, my like, my issue with it, because uh, it's been a few years since I watched it last, um, is that it relies so heavily on the MCU, on, like, establishing this character in the MCU. And I think now that, like, we've all, like, grown accustomed to Spider-Man being a part of the MCU, going back and rewatching Homecoming, it kind of is just, like, all right, let's just move on. Like, I, I want to see Spider-Man stuff. I want to see Spider-Man doing Spider-Man things in a Spider-Man movie. But it there's just, like, a lot of just, like, ties to Happy Hogan and ties to Iron Man and ties to, like, the, the broader Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I appreciate. But just, like, go, it, I think it taints a bit of the rewatchability, for me at least. Um, but it's still a very good movie. I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man we've had. And I think Michael Keaton as the Vulture is is a lot of fun. He's definitely, like cartoony like especially when he's in the costume as vulture and just flying around and you could tell that he's just like on a soundstage and they're just recording his face and he's making angry faces (laughs) and yelling um but like when he's like just walking around as like adrian tombs like everyone talks about the the scene where he's dropping peter and uh and his daughter off at the at homecoming uh and he like turns around and just talks to him in the car and how terrifying that scene is um and so yeah that's very good and so like i think it's still like a solid marvel movie but i just it didn't quite like live up to the the high expectations i had of it i guess um yeah what are your guys reflections on that yeah i think i definitely need to go and rewatch that i believe i saw it like three or four times in theaters when it first came out so i think i kind of just have taken a break (laughs) break from it because i watched it a lot in a very short period of time i think a criticism of that and far from home and just this iteration of peter parker and spider-man is that it is really really reliant on on the greater mcu Mm -hmm. and i think we haven't really seen we, we see this a little bit in far from home but we don't see a lot of him independently doing spider-man things and learning and growing as a character on his own like he always kind of needs a mentor figure um he is always you know just doing stuff with related to the larger MCU. And like that is to be expected in an MCU movie. But I think things that are, and I agree, he is the, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man. I think Tom Holland is, Mm -hmm. but in other iterations, we've seen a more, I don't know, maybe well-rounded Spider-Man movie that is really just specifically about Spider-Man. And I, and but I think I still really enjoy Homecoming and Far From Home. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think I, I started the movie like looking for like just a straight up Spider-Man movie. And it's like it's still definitely a Spider-Man movie, but it's more so like a Spider-Man and the MCU movie. Like, um, so yeah, and like I still think it works. Um, but yeah, 
and I don't think it's going to change uh, anytime soon because I think it's only going to get more connected to things yeah. with Spider-Man 3 and all the rumored um, characters and Spider-Man that will be in. Yeah. So. Which is weird. So we'll, we'll talk more about Spider-Man 3 later, but I feel like bringing in other Spider-Men into Spider-Man 3 would make it more of a Spider-Man movie. I guess. Um, I guess it wouldn't be a... It wouldn't lend itself to Peter to Tom Holland and Peter Parker development yeah. really as much. Yeah. So. But also we know that Doctor Strange is coming into Spider Man yeah. three as like a mentor <laughs> figure. So there's that. He's got another one now. Yep. Yep. He had he had an Iron Man, then he had a Nick Fury, and now he and has he also had a Quentin Beck yep. as Mysterio for yep. a minute. Oh. Yeah. And now he's got a Doctor Strange. That's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Mia? Well, I wonder how you think um like homecoming compares to far from home in terms of how it relates to the mcu yeah um i i want to watch far from home again just because i haven't seen it since like it came out in theaters um mm-hmm. which was like july 2019 i think mm-hmm. man that was almost two years ago yeah like also like we just want to throw out there that uh endgame came out like two years ago in a week like, that's crazy to yeah. me <laughs> that's wow. it's been a minute yeah um but yeah, uh, so I want to go back and watch uh, Far From Home again. I like based on like my memory of that movie. I think Far From Home stands on its own a little bit better. Like it definitely like exists in the wake of Endgame, but like the movie itself is a pretty Spider-Man centric movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so we also sorry, I <laughs> got confused. I looked at the doc and like jumped ahead. Anyway, um, so one thing that we've all been watching uh, is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, latest Marvel Disney Plus series. Um, The uh, season finale of this came out today. Uh, Dave and I have both watched it. Mia has not yet, but we're not going to give her too much grief for that because it literally came out today. Um, And so, yeah, we're not going to do any like spoilers on this on this season finale. But just in general, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I think it's I think it's a really solid finale. Uh, I think it's a better finale than uh, what we got with Wandavision, and I still really liked the Wandavision finale. But I just thought this finale for Falcon and the Winter Soldier tied the tied everything together a lot better, um, and it just like really stuck the landing and got me excited for the many directions that they could go with these characters and just like the plot lines set up here. Um, yeah, I think Anthony Mackie has really grown into this role of Sam Wilson. Um, just like going back. So I uh, talked a couple weeks ago about how I went back and watched uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which was like the introduction of Sam Wilson. Um, and just like seeing like how far that character has come since he was introduced like seven years ago at this point. Um, it's just really interesting. It's There's a lot of character growth in there, specifically in this show. Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was, the season as a whole was just very, very good. Uh, I'm excited to go back and just kind of watch it all the way through rather than waiting week to week. Um, I know someone that's already went back and watched the whole thing start to finish. Granted, like they did so last night before the new episode came out. And so like they watched all the five of the previous episodes and kind of just rolled into the finale as it premiered. Um, and they said watching it that way, like it, like the pacing was a lot better. Like it just rolled together really well. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Um, and yeah, what do you guys think about Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, I think the finale was great. Um, yeah, don't can't really spoil spoil anything here because of Amia. But um, I think we could we can talk if if Mia would like to give her thoughts. We didn't because we're recording this episode later than we normally do, so mm-hmm. we didn't get to talk about last week's episode. Yeah. 
the fifth one. Yes. Which I thought was the best episode of the series, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think it was that episode was very much set up for a very action-heavy finale, and I think they very clearly tied together, just ended some arcs in that episode. So then they and had a lot of just downtime for character development and just action sparse uh interactions Mm -hmm. but yeah and so but i really liked that and i think it was just i think there's some of the some of the best scenes that we've had in the mcu like in that episode um i think all the stuff with isaiah bradley is excellent and that spills into this episode as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think these last two were probably my favorite episodes, but I think the fifth one specifically was Yeah, very, I'll agree. Good. I think the fifth episode was definitely like a character episode. It was just seeing where these characters are at and the journeys that they're on and like where that's taking them. Um, we see the fulfillment of that in the finale in a very satisfying way. But Mia, uh, what are your thoughts up to this point, up to where you're at with Falcon and the Winter Soldier? So I'm getting confused with the one with the great shot at the end of the episode was that episode four i think so yeah the yeah, whole world fi- is watching i think yeah episode five opens with with the uh, like aftermath of it yeah with, with the uh, big john big fight yeah with john walker okay running away and then there's a big fight between okay that him was and, such a that good was, it was a very good fight yeah i feel like i didn't really like episode five that much what yeah it it just felt like a very very slow like build up to this one and I don't know. I'm trying to also remember everything that happened in it. Because the boat, they did. They did. Oh, some that boat was fixing. that was great. That made me cry a little. <laughs> um, there was some, some shield throwing. Some shield. That was yeah. also good. Sam, okay. Like, basically, like doing the practice to become Captain America, and there was a conversation with Isaiah Bradley in which he that was good. Uh, he talks about how like no self-respecting black man would want to be Captain America, huh. uh, which I thought was a really interesting like concept to introduce to this show. And I yeah. think just like up through that episode um, and in episode six in a way that we won't discuss in detail, um, I think just like the way that they're approaching Sam's just like mentality about taking on the mantle of Captain America and like what that means both for him and just like as a society, what it means to have a black man as Captain America. Um, I just think it's really interesting. And I think the show's done a really yeah. good job addressing that um, without getting like too like preachy or anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just very genuine. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I think I was expecting them to address that in some way, but I did not expect it to be as well executed as it is. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, Marvel doesn't usually deal in such heavy themes because yeah. that's just not what they're about. Marvel like, usually kind of avoids social issues. And if if it touches on it, it just skirts the edge of it like very, very vaguely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like this was just really, really well done and mm-hmm. actually had something to say and was good and I liked it. So, yeah. Def- I feel like I'm definitely going to go through it and watch it again in like two days just to get that pacing kind of back on on track because i i really loved episode four and i feel like it was there was just a lot going on um but then yeah the beginning at least of episode five i don't know it just felt like a little disjointed to me and i think i 
I liked the other like development that we've seen with Bucky. I think more in episode four. I think maybe at the beginning when the Wakandan gal shows up and then he has all those yeah. like flashbacks. And I really liked that and what they were doing with his character. Um, and I feel like episode five just didn't like have as much because it, it just took a different focus. So yeah. I think going back and watching it all in order again um, within a, a shorter time span will probably change my opinions on it. Um, and I'm hoping that I can watch the last episode tonight. I'm very, very excited. But yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Very good. Um, so yeah, from there, we'll just jump into our movie news for the week. And we have a lot of news to talk about this week. So some of these topics we're probably just going to very briefly touch on and then move on. Um, and so these are kind of, so yeah, it's been like a week and a half since we last recorded. So we're kind of catching up on some stories that broke late last week. Um, so first of all, um, we'll start with our comic book stuff. There's a lot of comic book stuff to this week. Um, so Game of Thrones actor, I think it's Pelo Asbeck. I don't know if I pronounced that correct. I think he's Scandinavian, um, but he is most well known for playing uh, Euron Greyjoy in like the latter seasons of Game of Thrones. And even though those last few seasons of Game of Thrones weren't great, I think he was very good in them. Um, he he played a really interesting character, and the way he pr- portrayed this character, like he was just like every time he was on screen, he just captured your attention. Um, but yeah, this actor has joined Aquaman too. Um, which is supposed to start filming this summer, I think. Um, no details on who he's playing, but I think it's just exciting to see an actor of like with this much talent joining Aquaman. Also, his character is part of like he's a Greyjoy in uh, in Game of Thrones, so he's already a very seafaring individual <laughs> in that show. Um, so I think it just makes sense. Um, I don't expect either of you have thoughts on this, um, just because I know you've started watching Game of Thrones, Dave, but you're nowhere close to where this character is introduced. Um, so yeah, we can just move on from there. Yes. Um, so Alfred Molina uh, last week started spilling some details about his return as Doc Ock in Spider-Man: No Way Home. So this had not been like actually confirmed by Marvel by anything by any means, but in an interview, I think it was with Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, he just straight up was like, "Yep, I am in the movie." It is a thing that I have done, and while we were shooting it, they were, uh, he was told to be very hush-hush about it, and I guess now that they're done shooting it, he's like, I can talk about it all I want, because um, he's just very open about it. Like He talks about how director John Watts came to him and was like, hey, we want to bring you back into this, and he's like, but I died, and John Watts was just like, no one really dies in these movies, Like, um, and then he's like, but like I was in a river, and he's like, yep, we're taking you out from that exact moment, so I guess somehow they're going to be snatched Doc Ock out from the very end of Spider-Man 2. Maybe just like a portal opens up in the river or something, and he just like falls so. through it. He looked I don't pretty know. dead then. But, he know. did. So we'll find out. Um, he also talked about how like, so it's been like 19 years or something since Spider-Man 2. He's like, I am older now. How are we going to do that? Uh, so apparently he confirmed that they are going to digitally de-age him. Uh, he mentioned that in The Irishman, he thought all the fight scenes with Robert De Niro looked very bad. Um, and he's like, so I don't know. Uh, he said at first he was a little hesitant about that, but then he remembered that with Doc Ock, he just kind of stands there and makes menacing faces while the arms do all the work. Yeah. And so he doesn't really have to do much moving. Um, so I just think that this whole uh, situation is kind of hilarious. Like we all knew he was going to be in the movie anyway. And so he's just kind of cutting through all the all the fog around him being like, yep, I am in it. Um, so yeah, I think this is really funny and really exciting. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I uh, I think it's just very funny that Alfred Molina very clearly misunderstood the um, 
uh, parameters of his non-disclosure agreement that I'm sure he signed, <laughs> where he's probably just like, yeah, sure, I can just talk about this. He, who, he may not even know if this movie's out yet. He might just be like, maybe it is. I can probably <laughs> talk about it now. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think this all but guarantees that we will be getting some sort of Tobey Maguire slash Andrew Garfield hmm. play in this movie yeah. because it, I think it would be very weird for there to be Alfred Molina's Doc Ock from that specific universe. Yeah, like he, he very specifically confirmed that it's the version of the character from Spider-Man yeah, 2. But like, there just to not be Tobey Maguire as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's interesting that it's going to be the exact, like, from that moment. So like that character wouldn't have aged at all. And I wonder if that'll be the same for any other Raimi slash uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's characters who like, show up in are this. Are they going to digitally de-age Tobey Maguire? Yeah, hmm. I think I would rather it be that though it's been tw- it's been 20 years and to- and Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker is close to the end of his time as Spider-Man and like and and we can see what happened with him and Mary Jane at the end of that at the end of that Spider-Man 3 and we can see where those characters are at and how those relationships have, have evolved more so than just just take him out of from exactly when he was in 2003 and just put him in this. I think I'd rather see a, a an aged Peter Parker, at least from um, hmm. Tobey Maguire's perspective. Um, but yeah, this is really exciting. I, yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, the character of Doc Ock could be like an 80 year old man and it like wouldn't matter because <laughs> it's just the arms doing the thing. So it doesn't really matter how old he, he would be. Um, but yeah, I I, I think it's very funny that um, he revealed it in this way, and I'm sure Kevin Feige is just very upset. <laughs> so, That's... what are your thoughts, Mia? Well, I realized I have not seen the Spider-Man that um, he is Spider-Man in. Two? No. Have you seen what? original Spider-Man? Nope. So you've just seen some of Spider-Man Three? Correct. That is terrible. Yeah. Correct. I don't think we were aware of that when we watched Spider-Man 3. I think you were. I'm pretty sure I explicitly told you I haven't seen these. And you were like, it's okay. It's Spider-Man 3. We watched Spider-Man 3 on Halloween like two years ago. And Mia dipped like with half an hour left. So (laughs) the only Raimi Spider-Man movies she has seen is part of the worst one. Yep. Yep. The first two are pretty good. Okay. They're they're solid movies. I think they're like pretty dated yeah. in a lot of ways but they're fun like i, I they're very comic booky and, and okay good so yeah. i they're, do i do still have a soft spot in my heart for the incredible spider-man or the <laughs> the amazing spider-man yeah he's incredible <laughs> i don't know i think actually i know what it is it's because one of coldplay's favorite songs well, one of my favorite Coldplay songs is in it, and it's in a really great scene when he's like trying to figure out everything, and he's swinging in an empty like is that when he's warehouse. skateboarding? Yeah, <laughs> and I just really love that scene. It like yeah. it makes me very emotional. I I love the Amazing Spider-Man. Like I rewatched it recently. It's like not the best, and I get it, but like I have a lot of nostalgia for that movie. So <sighs> I really love Andrew Garfield. We'll have to, we should just do a Spider-Man movie fest sometime. Yeah, I support that. That would be, be fun. fun. Yeah. This summer, we'll just yeah. binge all the Spider-Man movies. <gasps> That'd yeah. be amazing. That'd be a good time. Yep. All right, uh, moving on from there. Uh, we, the Flash uh, began production last uh, last week. Um, so this is a movie that has been delayed for like 
six years now because they announced this movie with one director and then they fired that director and hired another director and fired that director and hired another director and they've gone through like four or five different directors at this point. But now The Flash is officially filming with director Andy Muschietti, uh, who is the guy that directed uh, the two most recent It films. Um, He's on there. Uh, And Michael Keaton is confirmed to be in this movie. He is reprising his role as Batman from the 1989 film directed by Tim Burton. Um, So, yeah, this is very exciting. Not a whole lot to add here. Like, we thought Michael Keaton was going to be in this, and then a few weeks ago he kind of cast some doubt on that. But his agent came out this week and confirmed that he is a part of this um, so yeah, just very exciting. You guys have anything to add here? You know, I think I'll believe that we're going to get this movie when they've been like, we've wrapped it. We've <laughs> wrapped <laughs> filming. It's done. We've, we've made it. Because yep. uh, we've been told that we've been getting this for a very long time. Um, but it seems like it's on track. I'm glad that Michael Keaton's in it because, as I have expressed, I do not like Ezra Miller in this role. So the main reason I would be excited is to see michael keaton um batman in it so um yeah yeah uh i'm i'm very excited for this movie as i've also expressed in the past uh i do like ezra miller's version of the flash specifically in Zack snyder's justice league i think he's a lot better in that version um but yeah i think this movie is just gonna be really interesting apparently it's adapting parts of flashpoint um but not like directly the whole storyline um, we're getting Michael Keaton's Batman. We're getting Ben Affleck's Batman. We're getting uh, the new version of Supergirl played by Sasha Collier. Um, and yeah, I'm just curious to see what this movie is. Um, but yeah, moving on from there, uh, the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a uh, hit um, animated Spider-Man movie from a few years ago, has hired three directors. Um, and when that news came out, I was very taken aback. I'm like, why would they hire three directors <laughs> for one movie? And then I looked back. And there's three directors on the first Spider-Verse movie. Like, I don't know how I missed that information. I thought it was I thought it was two. I think Lord and Miller aren't even directors on it. I think they're just producers. Well, the first one? Yeah. What? Um, huh. But yeah, so there are three directors on the first Spider-Verse film. So I guess it falls in line that there's three directors on the second one. Um, and granted, these three directors that they've hired are all, I, I think individually, any of them would have been an excellent choice to take it on their own. Because hmm. one of them is Joaquin, De, uh, Joaquin De, Dos Santos. Uh, sorry, I probably, yeah. That's um, but uh, he has worked on Legend of Korra for Nickelodeon, also the Justice League Unlimited, Unlimited series, which I don't know if you guys have watched the animated Justice League series from like the early 2000s. Uh, there's like two. There's Justice League and then Justice League Unlimited. They're both very good. Hmm. Um, and so that's I'm a big fan of that. Uh, he was also uh, in the art department for Avatar The Last Airbender. Then there's also uh, Kemp Powers, um, who most recently was a writer on One Night in Miami. Oh. Uh, and he wrote and directed Soul. Um, so that's very exciting as well. And then the third director is Justin K. Thompson, who worked in the art department for the first Spider-Verse movie and then also has worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the early uh, like cell animated Star Wars Clone Wars animated series. Um, not the one that went on for like seven seasons, but like the early 2000s like two season one that was like yeah. it was like a 2D animation rather than 3D animation, which I've heard is also very good. Um, so, yeah. I'm a big, uh, like, I support all three of these directors being attached to this project. Very curious to see what this movie ends up being. I didn't expect the first one to be good, and then it was incredible. Um, So, yeah, excited for this. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I love the original Spider-Verse. I think when I 
when I just saw this news that they were hiring three directors, and I had assumed it was Lord and Miller who directed the first one, and it, they just did not. So I think they were just producers on it, and mm-hmm. I believe they're producing. This yeah, as they're well. producing this one too. Um, so I was a little bit worried that it wouldn't be them, but it will be them, and the three directors are, yeah, like you said, very very talented, and um, just make me even more excited for this movie. Yep. Uh, you have any thoughts, Mia? Negativo. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so one upcoming Marvel Disney Plus series that is very hotly anticipated is Secret Invasion, uh, which is adapting, obviously, the Secret Invasion storyline from the comics, which sees basically scrolls taking over the Earth and the Avengers, and you don't know who's a scroll and who's not, and it's a very complicated <laughs> thing. Um, but this, uh, they're gearing up to start production on this thing, and they've added two big names to the cast uh, in the form uh, in the. Uh, actresses Amelia Clark and Olivia Coleman. So Al- Amelia Clark obviously is most well known for playing Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones, and then Olivia Coleman is Olivia Coleman. Like she's nominated for an Oscar this year, she was nominated for an Oscar last year. I'm sure she's been nominated for an Oscar before that. Um she's just Didn't she win for uh, the favorite? Did she win? I believe she did cuz I remember her speech was very I think cute. you're right, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm so that was doing 20 a... yeah i remember her, i remember her being like sorry glenn close you lost again yeah i won that <laughs> so, was yeah. i think you were right yeah. i remember yeah. her talking about her husband and her kids yeah she won in 2019 ah, uh, okay. for the favorite and then she's nominated this year obviously for the father which we'll talk wow. more about later um but yeah so i think I'm just excited for both of these actresses to be a part of this thing. I'm glad that they're getting big name talent attached to this. Curious to see what this movie uh, or what this show is, because um, we're seeing Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn as uh, Talos uh, return in this mo- in this show as well. So yeah, exciting. Um, do you guys have any other things to add? I don't think so. No, not really. Cool. Uh, this is a very brief topic that I just think is kind of hilarious. Uh, apparently, Dave Bautista just kind of at one point set up a meeting with Warner Brothers, rolled in, and was just like, I want to play Bane. Uh, and they're like, but we're not doing anything with Bane right now. He's like, I don't care. I want to be Bane. And that's about all there was to it. This story came out this past week, and he got on Twitter and confirmed it. He said that they kind of just like laughed him out of the office because they have no plans for Bane right now, I guess. But I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny and just wanted to throw it in there. Uh, also, I think David Batista would be a very good Bane. I yeah, think. I think you'd be like my first choice for Bane. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, you'd be really, really good. Also, uh, I currently uh, in season two of the Harley Quinn animated series, and I think Bane is probably one of my favorite characters yes. from this whole yes. show. He is hilarious. We should talk more about that show sometime. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, yeah, we also talked uh, moving on from there uh, a few weeks ago about how Russell Crowe had joined the cast of Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, and in a radio interview this week, he confirmed that he is playing the role of Zeus, uh, the Greek god of thunder. Um, in <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder. So much thunder. Um, so yeah, I don't have much to add to this other than I'm sure it'll be interesting and maybe he will get killed very quickly because Gore the God Butcher is the villain and so he's gonna butcher some gods, I guess. Yeah. How are they... I didn't. Ev- I did not put this together. I was like, oh yeah, Zeus. And then I was like, wait, this is Norse mythology and Greek mythology. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're gonna... How it works. I'm sure there's a comic booky explanation for it. That makes me more excited for this somehow. Yeah, I think like Thor and Odin and Loki, like they're supposed to be like the Norse gods, but they're not like really like. But, like I think they're, they're, they're just they're, gods. They're just 
strong people. Like you know, they're like, basically just aliens. They're I basically think. just aliens, I guess. And so I think they could just be like, oh, this was the guy who Zeus is like who the Greeks based Zeus off of, or whatever. Yeah, um, he's just Thor's cousin. He's just Thor's cousin. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think there absolutely will be some sort of um, fun montage of Christian Bale just like killing a bunch of gods in a very fun Taika Waititi way. Mm. Um, and I feel like Russell Crowe would just be in it for two seconds and just get murdered by Christian Bale. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Hmm. Did you guys see the set photo that came out of Christian Bale from this movie? No. Oh, no. He has shaved his head, which is an interesting decision. I'm into that. Yeah, That's I'm curious right. to see like... If Gore the God Butcher just looks like Christian Bale with a bald head or not. Because in the comics, he looks very much like an alien. So maybe they are doing prosthetics and it was just easier for him to shave his head. I don't know. But he is definitely bald. So. Wow. Cool. Bald yeah. move. Bald move. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Mia was really proud of that, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And then the biggest, I think probably the biggest story of all of, all of our stories for the, for this week just dropped probably like an hour before we started recording. And that's uh, Captain America 4 um, is in the works uh, from Marvel Studios. Uh, it's coming from the writer of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Ralph, uh, Malcolm Spellman. Um, they, there are no other details right now as to what this movie is going to be. It's just a fourth Captain America movie with this writer. Having seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier and not spoiling anything about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there are definitely a lot of things set up in that show that will tie directly into this. Um, and you can kind of infer just like, if you've seen the show up to whatever point, you can kind of infer a lot of details about what cap this new Captain America is going to be. I kind of feel like it's not even going to be a Captain America four per se. I feel like it's just going to kind of be another Captain America movie, hmm. um, which I am very excited about. Um, so like last week, uh, when I was watching civil War, cause I've kind of been going back and watching a bunch of. Uh, Marvel films. Uh, I was watching it uh, and I was watching it with my girlfriend and like we got into a conversation about how like if Sam Wilson takes up the mantle of Captain America, would they continue that in a streaming show or would they give him a movie? Um, and so I, I thought I was talking at the time about how I thought that giving him a series of movies could be very interesting. And I think that might be what they're doing here. I'm kind of dancing around some spoilers. You definitely know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I'm not explicitly saying anything, I think. Well, maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, very excited for this. Also, something that's a little confusing and just a little wrench to throw in here uh, is that Marvel submitted uh, Captain... Uh, Cap Excuse me. Marvel submitted the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision to the Emmys, I believe it was, was this week. Uh, and they submitted WandaVision as a limited series, and they submitted Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a drama, which kind of implies that there could be future seasons of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hmm. But then also, if they're doing a Captain America 4, why would they do another season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Are they going to have both of these things going on at the same time? I have no idea. They haven't confirmed a second season for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm. by any means. It's just something that you can infer from that. Um, yeah, Captain America 4. I'm very excited for this. Uh, I think it's instantly like one of my most anticipated Marvel movies. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm very, very excited for this. Um, yeah, this information came out hours after the last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I like finished that episode and then that I saw that news and I was like, yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like they could do another season of this and if they want to do some smaller scale adventure with the two of them, I think that would be fun. Um, maybe they'll have like five episodes and then the last episode is just a movie that comes out the next week and you have to see the movie. <laughs> it's just like five episodes that set up the movie. Yes. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, do you, yeah. do you think they submitted them separately so they wouldn't be competing with each other? Oh, potentially. Maybe. I feel like that would make sense. Yeah. You know, that I feel like that, that, that would be another read. That would be another compelling reason yeah. for them yeah. to do that. But I, then the, that would still open the door for like potential seasons, like yeah. after Captain America 4, yeah. maybe. I wonder if maybe they were waiting to see what the reaction would be to the this season yeah. finale for Falcon and the Winter Soldier before they like committed to go second season or movie. Yeah. Um, huh. and, and I feel like WandaVision pretty clearly wraps up like. Yeah the premise of that show like, like there's no there's not going to be a season two of wandavision they're not going like, to be like tv shows again yeah <laughs> we're doing it again yeah. now it's dramas that she's randomly creating i guess <laughs> she's just going through episodes of law and order <laughs> i think that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> boom boom <laughs> yes yes all right um do we have any other just general thoughts on that are you guys excited for a uh, captain america 4 in in concept yeah and i i mean yeah i will be more so after tonight but already i am i am you're you're yam i am <laughs> cool um so moving on from there uh just some general movie news uh mads mickelson has joined the cast of indiana jones 5 um likely playing a villain because that's what mads mickelson does also a couple places have reported that he's playing a villain but not, not everywhere has done that um so yeah, I think that's very exciting. Love Mads Mikkelsen, and I think he's a good fit for Indiana Jones. They've been casting a lot of roles in this movie uh, over the past few weeks, so mm -hmm. that makes me think that they're probably gearing up to start shooting on this sooner rather than later. Um, you guys have any thoughts on Mads Mikkelsen playing a potential villain in Indiana Jones? Yeah, I feel like he plays a villain in everything um, and would be a very good, like, archaeologist or former Nazi kind of guy. <laughs> like, I think he could pull that off pretty well um but also i would like to see him try to do be in like mainstream hollywood movies where he's not a villain because we like he's great in another round where he is like the protagonist of that movie yeah. um and yeah i mm. think i feel like they will just make him a villain because i don't think unless he's just some other archaeologist or something mm -hmm. i don't really see where else he would fit but yeah yeah you have any mm. thoughts, Mia? Yeah, I mean, kind of echoing what Dave said. I I can't think of a role that I've seen him in where he's been like a super positive character. Although he's, oh my gosh, I always forget her name. J he's Jalen or so. Oh, Galen or so. Galen, yeah. Um, and I, I literally I think that's the because I haven't seen the other one that you guys were talking about. Yeah. I think that's the only role where I've seen him like not be a villain. Um, I always forget that he was in Rogue One. He's really good in Rogue One, he too. He is good. He doesn't have yeah. a big part in that movie. No, like. I think it's more in the beginning. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, yeah, I think I'd like to just see him in... Just be a little bit more multifaceted. Because I think he does make a very good villain. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, seeing him in a different role would be good. But I think he would do well as a villain in Indiana Jones. So, 
This next story is for David. Um, so we got another bit of casting for the Last of Us movie. Uh, Gabriel Luna. Last of Us TV show. Uh, la- oh, sorry, I forgot it was a TV show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my bad. Hence me including it in the movie section of the doc rather nice. than the TV <laughs> section of the doc. Uh, so Gabriel Luna has joined the cast of The Last of Us. Um, I know nothing about this, so I'm just going to defer it to Dave. Yeah, so he's been cast as Tommy, um, Tommy Miller, who is the brother of the main character of The Last of Us, who's being played by Pedro Pascal. Um, yeah, I think this is really good casting. Um, I would, lo- I, I really like Gabriel Luna. I've only seen him in Terminator Dark Fate, yep. where he plays the Terminator, and I think he's a pretty pretty good Terminator. Um, Remember when he was uh, the uh, what, what, Ghost Rider in a couple episodes of Agents yes, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes, I do. I think I've seen a little bit of that, too. I think I watched um, like clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, he's a good actor. I like him. Um, yeah, that character in the game is definitely a side character, like in in that in the first one, and he's a much bigger character in the second one. Um, but yeah, I think this is great. I, as I've discussed, I'm very excited for the show. Um, I think they're they're filming it this summer, and it was announced that they're gonna take a whole year to film it. Huh. Like they're like, we are starting in June, and we're gonna end next June. And I'm like, why? Maybe. They might be doing. What if they're doing like a whole like twenty-two episode season with this, like the <sighs> like the broadcast TV? <laughs> I I could see Whoa. a world where they do both seasons back to back. Like if they if they say, hey, we have Pedro Pascal, we know we're gonna make multiple seasons of this because we know this is going to do well because it's mm-hmm. The Last of Us and it's a very very popular IP, um, and we don't want to have to bring Pedro Pascal back with his very busy schedule, so we just film two seasons that tell the story of the first two games in a year. I can hmm. see that. Um, that makes me kind of sad because that means we're not going to get this for a very long time. Yeah. But, yeah. Would so that... that kind of delays the Mandalorian season three a bit uh, if Pedro Pascal's going to be busy for like a year. Maybe Granted, that's they... part of it. Maybe they Maybe. can't film all of it at once because of that. Yeah. That might be it too. So. Hmm. What were you going to say, Mia? Um, almost just... Oh, um, would it also be... How much does the... Because there's a girl in mm. it, correct? How old is she supposed to be in those first two um, games? Well, actually, that's a very good point because they would Probably not be able to do her. that because there's a five-year difference between the first and second game. Oh. Um, so... I feel they, like you can, like, they can muff that they a little make, bit. Yeah, they or they could just recast her for, like, the second season slash game. Huh. Actually, I feel like that would be a bad idea because she's very much like the heartbeat of that story, so that would yeah. be weird. Oh, well, how long is the first game? Like, like, like oh, time um, It's about six months to a year. Oh. Um, How old is she? She's 14 in that, and then she's 19 in the Oh, segment. interesting. Um, but I think that actress is, yeah. like, 18. Yeah, they, so I feel like you could <gasps> maybe... She's 18, but, like, she looks younger. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like, okay. Because I like was she just played thinking like if it's... she played, like, a 10-year-old in Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. like, wow. a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm just thinking if it's if filming is spread out over that time yeah. span, maybe it's yeah. just so that her age is more consistent. But that's also kind of funky. Yeah. Huh. But, yeah, I just hope this is great because, as I've said, it's one of my favorite things like it is one of my, my like favorite pieces of media in any platform or genre so yeah uh moving on from there uh we got some news from george miller regarding his uh mad max fury road prequel Fur- furiosa uh so furiosa uh, i guess is gearing up to start shooting this summer uh in australia um stars obviously uh, uh why am i blanking on her name um charlize theron N- oh, they the- re- 
Yeah, they Anya recast. Taylor-Joy. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. Ah. Anya Taylor Joy is playing a younger version of Furiosa in this. <laughs> um, and Chris Hemsworth is in the cast as well, I believe. Um, I'm sure there's other names there, but I think those are like the two main stars for this. Um, and apparently, it is going to be the largest film production ever set in the continent of Australia. Like they are just going all in on this thing. Um, what does which, What does that mean? Just like out of the Australian, like I guess, like film commissioner or whatever, said that just came out and said that it was the largest, most expensive production in Australian history. Whoa. Which so this is apparently going to be a bigger thing than Mad Max Fury Road was. So George Miller's it's... going all in on this Furiosa prequel, which I am very excited about. Obviously, Mad Max Fury Road was excellent, and I'm just excited to see George Miller go back into this world and just do whatever he wants to do with it. Um, I think Anya Taylor Joy and Chris Hemsworth are both excellent performers and so i'm very excited to see what they're like in this in this post-apocalyptic mad max wasteland um and yeah very excited for this uh do you guys have any thoughts have not seen it so no you haven't seen mad max fury road i feel like we've established that but i forgot about that and it makes you upset every time yeah (laughs) as it should (laughs) i have only seen it one time and i was i was like this is too violent both of you are wrong We just got violent thumbs down. Well, we should watch it together. Yes. I 100%. I feel like it would be a good summer movie. Yes. No. Let's do it. I refuse. We will make you. (laughs) What was that thing last week where we were like, Mia, how have you not seen this thing? I feel like you say that every week with anything. There was something like really egregious last week. Shrek? Yep. That's it. (laughs) That was it. It was Shrek. Yeah. Uncultured. I know. Uh, this past week was the 20th anniversary of Shrek. Man. Wow, that makes yeah. me feel old. I was a child when it came out. You're right, that's how time works. <laughs> Funny. Funny. So, moving on from there, uh, Vin Diesel is going to be starring in a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. Um, my only question with this is, what? I, I don't remember what studio this is. I think it might be Sony. Um, but is it Hasbro again? Those... I think... I th- don't know if this. I don't know if Rock'em Sock'em Robots is a Hasbro movie or it, if it's. Is it Mattel? It might be Mattel. Mattel, those insane people just throwing any sort like because we talked about this. They're doing the, they're doing the Barney movie. I think. Yep. Yeah. Um. They're doing. Are they a, doing a Hot Wheels movie? A Hot Wheels movie, a Magic Eight Ball movie. <laughs> yep. I think a Rubik's Cube movie. Maybe. Yeah. Um, oh gosh! But what? Surely they have like dirt on Vin Diesel or something, and they're like, "You are going to be in this Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie." Who cares about this? Does anybody want this? Just go watch Real Steel. Like, it's basically the same thing. Like, I don't know. Do you guys have anything to add? I don't know what this is. You don't know what Rock'em Rock Sock'em is? It no. was an old 80s toy which had two robots, like, in a boxing ring, and you pressed some buttons, and they punched each other until oh. one of their heads came off. Fun. Yep. Oh, That's it. okay. Fun. I think there's never been greater casting than Vin Diesel as like a square jawed <laughs> robot. Man. If that's Gosh. who he's playing, I hope he's one of the. Robots. I hope he is both of the robots. I hope he is yes. Rockham and Sockham, if that's their name. <laughs> he's just red and blue. Yep. Yes. Um, so, yeah, moving on from there, uh, there's a Jim Henson biopic called Muppet Man coming from Disney. <laughs> Um, which I think just the title Muppet Man is really funny. Um, but also, like, I'm kind of surprised Jim Henson biopic hasn't happened yet. Um, I'm sure this will be pretty good. I'm sure it'll be pretty much what the Tom Hanks... Uh, Saving mm. Mr. Banks. Yeah, well, I was thinking... Uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was um, thinking... Uh, Mr. Neighborhood. Yeah, man. Uh, 
won't you be my neighbor or <laughs> the, Mr. Neighborhood Man? The why? Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Yes, yes. the Mr. Go. Rogers biopic from a few years ago with uh, with Tom Hanks. I assume this will just be like that same thing, kind of. Except I'm considering this is coming from Disney. I would put money on Tom Hanks playing Jim Henson in this movie. What does Jim Henson look like? I don't. I don't think uh, it cares. I don't think it matters what Jim Henson <laughs> looks like. That's true. Because I feel uh, like Tom Hanks just matches that wholesome vibe. Tom Hanks mm. looks nothing like Mr. Rogers. He looks nothing like Walt Disney. Yeah. But they've cast him to play both. That's yes. true. So. What if it's a trifecta? <laughs> just a Jim trilogy Henson. of wholesome Tom Hanks child role models. Yeah. Walt Disney, Jim Henson. I feel like if it's like a young Jim Han- Jim Henson, Tom Hanks could not play. That, yeah. You know. But what if they just did it anyway? What if they just didn't care? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I would love to see. Has Has there ever been any Tom Hanks Muppet content? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> what I if... really, I really want Tom Hanks and Kermit the Frog to have interacted. I'm sure they have in some form. I'm sure, like, he's, yeah. Yeah. Has he? He looks very stressed in this photo. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like what 90s, is it from? early 2000s Tom Hanks when he had, like, a full head of hair. Oh, he looks very stressed. Like, uh, <laughs> They've uh, surrounded me. Kermit is sitting on his shoulder. Um, Tom Bob, Hanks is like, get me out of Bobby here. Bear is holding his hand, and he's like, good God. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> this, I, a movie of Tom Hanks being overwhelmed by Muppets. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure this will be good, I think. Yeah. It'll probably be a... Very glossed over biopic. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on from there. Uh, this next bit of news, I want to say take it with a grain of salt because I saw it reported earlier today, but it hasn't been picked up by any of the major trades yet, and it's kind of a big deal if it is true. Um, and that's that Warner Brothers is reportedly shutting down their production of physical media. That means no more Blu-rays, no more 4K discs, no more DVDs, just nothing. It's just all digital now, um, which kind of makes me really sad if that's the case because like i i enjoy owning owning a good blu-ray i think being able to like physically own a movie you like is just very satisfying um obviously like i don't i used to buy a lot more blu-rays than i currently do um but i think still just having them is is satisfying um but you can't argue that the the sales and physical media have been significantly declining over the past decade um, so like, while this would be sad, it's also not entirely, um, like surprising, I guess. I don't know. You guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah. I feel like this is something that if it's not, if this report is not true, it would not surprise me if some studios and corporations started doing this yep. in the relatively soon future, just because I feel like it's just kind of the natural progression of things. Um, yeah, that that would be sad. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers is just like, why would you buy our movies when you can just when we can just put them on HBO Max and then make you subscribe to that and then and, you can just watch them there and we can make you pay for it forever. If yes, you wanna, if you if you want to feel like you own it, you have to pay us ten dollars a month. Yep. Yeah. You what do you think, Mia? Not much. <laughs> cool. Just in general, <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like. I'll think more about it if once it's confirmed. Yeah. If slash, yeah. Um, so yeah, we got some TV news to talk about. Uh, first off the top, uh, Amazon's Lord of the Rings series, uh, which they are, I believe, currently filming. 
um, is apparently going to be the most expensive TV series ever produced, costing a whopping $465 million for the first season. So I don't know where that money's going. There's been some reports that's saying that... coming from? Yeah. Um, there's been some reports saying that that includes like them buying the rights to Lord of the Rings, which is a couple hundred million dollars. But even if that's the case... That this would still be several hundred million dollars for this one season. To like put this in perspective, uh, like all of the like uh, very expensive like TV shows over the past few years, so like Game of Thrones, The Mandalorian, and WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, all of those cast like or cost like approximately like ten million dollars an episode. So like if for that whole season, like they cost maybe a hundred million dollars for the whole season, and this would be like almost tripling and quadrupling that. Um, so they're just spending an absurd amount of money on this thing, which maybe it's just a power play. Maybe they're just getting that headline out there. They're just doing it not because they expect to make a profit on this show in particular, but just because they're hoping to get people to subscribe to Amazon Prime. But also a lot of people already subscribe to Amazon Prime. Like, Granted, that's there's some so if you look purely at the Amazon Prime numbers, like they're the third largest streaming service out there, very like shortly behind Disney Plus. But you also have to take into account like all of the other things that come with Amazon Prime, and not everyone that has Amazon Prime watches things on yeah. Prime Video. Yeah. Not everyone uses Prime Video. Hmm. Um, so I don't know what's going through Amazon's head with this. Maybe Jeff Bezos is just like, we can do this, so we're gonna. Cool. But I can see that. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I remember when they bought the rights for this, and I, I was checking when they did this in like 2017, which I thought was a lot more recent than it was. Um, they made a five-season production commitment worth at least one billion dollars, so they're blowing they're blowing around half of that with this first season. So <laughs> it seems like yeah, they're just going all in. Um, I I just where is that money all going to? I guess maybe it's the rights. But I thought. They paid $250 million for the television rights specifically um, <laughs> to the, like, Tolkien estate um, and some other companies as well. But that's just insane. Like, I, I'm, you know, there are much smarter people than us making these decisions, and I'm sure they know what they're doing financially, but that just does not make any sense to me yeah. at all. To put this in perspective, the budget for the total budget for the three Lord of the Rings films from the early 2000s was $281 million. So they are spending almost twice what, they, uh, what was spent to produce the Lord of the Rings movies to make one season of a TV show. Which wow. I'm very excited for this. I love the Lord of the Rings, uh, and I think this show has a lot of potential. But that's just absurd. Like, I don't know. Man, it's a lot. They must be building Middle Earth, just like in, <laughs> yes. in New Zealand. They bought New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> just that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> New Zealand costs only four hundred and sixty yes. million dollars. <laughs> uh, do you have any thoughts here, Mia? I don't know. I. So, sorry, combined, how much was the budget for the first three movies, or the three movies? Uh, it was like 200 and, here, one second. Okay, did you adjust uh, it for inflation? 281 million. Um, that was just budget at the time. Um, okay. Well, you didn't adjust for inflation. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's been like 20 years. I know, like, yeah. it wouldn't adjust very much. Like, yeah. that blows my mind. Like, I can't physically, like, comprehend that amount of money yeah. for a TV show. Yeah. 
Which, granted, like, Avengers Endgame cost, like, $300 million. Yeah. Um, but that was also Avengers Endgame. Right. Like, and it was coming out in theaters, and it made over $2 billion. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. And it was a culmination of, like, 20 years... Or not 20 years, golly. But, you know, 20-plus movies yeah. worth of storytelling. And, yeah, not... Yeah. I don't know. I could see this crashing and burning. Like, yeah, what happens absolutely. if the show comes out and it's just awful? And it's terrible. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I'm looking up the budget for the Hobbit movies, which I forgot existed until there, now. There were a lot. Um, and yeah, they it was like 180 million for the first one, 225 million for the second one, and 250 million for the third one. So I guess they're like, Whew. we got to double that for this for this TV show. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Hobbit movies. That's a whole nother rabbit hole, but they're okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Moving on from there. We got some weird news involving uh, Sony and Netflix and Disney Plus and just streaming services in general. So I think it was last week we talked about how Sony had made a deal with Netflix where after their films had been in theaters and gone through their uh, video on demand uh, run, they would then be available on Netflix for, I don't think they specified the amount of time, but Netflix basically has first dibs on Sony movies when they when it comes to streaming them. There's been various reports as for how long. Some people have said like a year and a half. Some people have said it's only like six months. Um, we haven't actually heard anything specific for that. But this week we got the news that Disney Plus came in and got second dibs on Sony movies. Um, so basically whenever Sony movies leave Netflix, they will go immediately to Disney Plus uh, for however long. We That's also not specified. So just to track the, the progress of a Sony movie, we'll use like Spider-Man Far From Home as an example. So it opens in theaters this December. It's in theaters for, if we go with the usual like release window, it's in theaters for like 75 days. And then after that, it goes to video on demand. So then you can buy it on video on demand uh, for like 20 bucks or you can rent it for 20 bucks and then you can rent it for $6 and then you can buy it. And that's when it comes out on Blu-ray as well. And then after all that's done, so that's probably a good like nine months or so after the movie comes out, then it goes to Netflix oh. and then it's on Netflix for approximately a year. And then after that, it goes to Disney plus. <laughs> so it, it's just, they're really thinking these things out into the future, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Some people have been saying that this is a play for uh, to get like all of the pre-existing Spider-Man movies on Disney Plus, which I think would kind of make sense because if that Sony Netflix deal is already in place, then those movies will be going up on Netflix soon, um, and then that kind of gets that year period to end sooner rather than later. So then those movies can hit Disney Plus shortly after Spider-Man and Far From Home comes out. Um, so yeah, it's just weird, complicated business stuff, but also it's kind of interesting. Yeah. You guys have any thoughts? Um, everyone wants some money, and they pay a lot of money for money. Money. <laughs> More money. <laughs> yes. Correct. Yes. This is true. Yep. Cool. Um, so briefly, I also want to just mention that uh, H the Warner Brothers came out and gave uh, kind no, of the, the Warner Brothers. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I, I, I imagine like the actual like there, there are two brothers and they're like, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about our money. Yes, uh, they came out and talked about their quarter one uh, earnings, uh, specifically for HBO and HBO Max. Um, they're not awful, but they're not good. So basically, they said that total. HBO and HBO Max, and this is a, a notable thing, that this is HBO and HBO Max, not just HBO Max subscribers. So this is also like paid TV like channel subscribers to HBO. Um, subscribers only jumped 4 million in the first quarter of, 2020, of 2021. Um, so 
what you can infer from that is Zack Snyder's Justice League and all of these movies that are premiering on HBO Max day and date, they're not really doing that much for the service. Like, you got some new subscribers, but, like, not... It hasn't been, like, a massive win or anything. Like, there's a little bit of a gain, but not much. And uh, for HBO Max in particular, which they're hoping to make into a a big service, um, I think the fact that they merged these numbers with HBO is also very telling that not a lot of people have been actively subscribing to HBO Max. Um, It's kind of not going too hot. Like, it's not doing poorly, but it's not getting the the growth that they were looking for, Um, which I think is interesting. What do you guys think? Yeah, and if you think about... it's probably about it's about ten dollars ish to subscribe to HBO Max per month. It's like fifteen bucks. It's it's fifteen bucks. Yeah. Cool. Ooh. So yeah, it made them sixty million dollars roughly in in this last quarter, which is good. But if you consider that uh, Warner Brothers spent seventy million dollars on Zack Snyder's Justice League, yeah. um, that's bad. Then I would say because that movie only went to that service, and yeah. so it, if you think about it, it very much lost the money in a way, um, yeah. and also. That's, you know, it's not like just that movie was released. You know, like Godzilla versus Kong was on there. Um, uh, got Tom and Jerry. Tom got, oh, uh, the no. Little Things. Uh, yeah. We just got Mortal Kombat today. But yeah. granted, Mortal Kombat isn't worked into these numbers. I think I am watching that tonight. So Nice. I will watch it sometime. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on from there, uh, we got some news involving HBO's Parasite series that they announced last year when Parasite came out. Um, and that's that this show is not going to be remaking Paras- Parasite. Rather, it's going to be telling an original story set in the same universe of Parasite, <clears throat> which when we talked about this, I kind of thought it was a dumb idea. And with this, I still kind of think it's a dumb idea. Why are you making Parasite into like a, a cinematic universe like this? Just leave it alone. It's, it's a good movie. Like, <laughs> leave just, it alone. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a good show, but also nobody asked for this show. Like, And I don't know. It just kind of reeks of being like ooh this is a hot a hot IP let's just make another show of it and i'm just i'm just not into that like we don't need to be like this is someone related to the family in parasite yeah so, like it's a very like, self-contained story like it's, it doesn't need to be in a universe yeah. of of movie like it just mm-hmm. doesn't yeah it just doesn't i'd say yeah yep so yeah do you have any thoughts mia yeah it just seems kind of dumb to me like it seems like it's going against like the entire message of Parasite, which is like, hmm, capitalism, money, this isn't good. <laughs> mm, and it's like, let's make money off of this because people liked it. It just, ugh. yeah, it rubs me the wrong way. And also the fact that like, oh, I'm about to sneeze. But the fact that it was like so successful and it was like one best picture one best i mean got nominated for so many things like was so critically acclaimed and was like so not like an american production and then this is like let's do this i don't know it yeah it just seems like a money-making ploy to me and that's really frustrating but that's just kind of the movie industry in general so yeah yeah um, moving on from there, we got three trailers that dropped this week. We got uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, which is the, the latest Marvel film uh, starring Simu Liu. Um, comes out in September. Um, then we got The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third like main series Conjuring film. Uh, and then we got MODOK, which is a stop-motion animated Hulu Marvel series. <clears throat> I think all three of these trailers are very good. Um, speaking about Shang-Chi in particular... Uh, 
I've been very much looking forward to this project since it was announced. Uh, I'm a big fan of Simu Liu, uh, who is most well known for his work in Kim's Convenience. I thought this trailer looked awesome. I was immediately sold on this movie. Uh, I think his performance looks very good. Uh, I think the action sequences look amazing, um, just like the way that they're mixing so many different kinds of martial arts into the film and so many different like Asian filmmaking styles into this. Um, I just think it's very interesting. Uh, I think the the concept of the movie is is like original for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, so they... This trailer came out with uh, like a more in-depth piece in Entertainment Weekly that went into the plot a little bit, and it kind of just sounds like the like the League of Assassins and the League of Shadows from Batman, where like it's the Ten Rings and they're a secret assassin organization, and uh, the uh, Shang Chi's father, uh, who's being advertised as a character named Wenwu, but he's also we've already been told that he's the Mandarin. He's kind of just Ra's al Ghul, um, which, yeah, is. Yeah, but I think it looks good. I think like the the performances look great. I think um, just like the general concept of the movie is very interesting. I'm very excited to see what more we get out of this. I think based on some some leaked toys that have already come out, uh, like images online, I think it's definitely going to get very comic booky. Uh, I think it's going to get pretty uh, cartoony, I guess. Um, but I'm I'm down for that. I'm excited for this. I think the only thing about this trailer that I wasn't really into, that I was kind of surprised that I wasn't really into, is Aquafina uh, being in it. Like, I'm a massive fan of Aquafina. We've talked about that before on the podcast. But when she showed up in this trailer, I was kind of like, oh, hey, it's it's Aquafina. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, she kind of just like seemed like Aquafina being Aquafina, and it kind of just like took me out of the trailer a bit. So I'm hoping that that's not the case in the movie. I'm hoping that she can kind of like ease into her role a little bit. Um, but yeah. I was a big fan of this trailer. Uh, what was your guys' reaction? Yeah, I think I think it looks interesting. I wasn't blown away by this trailer. I thought it looked not generic, but just I didn't really get a good sense of what it's going to be about necessarily. Um, I Yeah, I think it'll be exciting. I'm sure it'll be pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen Kim's Convenience, so like I don't really have a sense of, of, Simu, of Simu Liu. Um, and like just his his acting style and kind of what he brings to the table. So, but yeah, I think I I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, I I, I generally like Aquafina, um, but this very much just had vibes of just like she's a goofy sidekick who's gonna <laughs> yeah. drive a bus kind of funny and like that's funny. So like I was like, hey, cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mia? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to just exactly say what you both had said, but I hope that her character isn't that and it's a little bit more substantial because I feel like we've seen her in a lot of, like, those comic relief roles, which I think she does great in, like, Ocean's 8 and even, like, Rhea in The Last Dragon. Yeah, and, and she was in Crazy Rich Asians, too. Yeah, yeah, and, like, she does really well in those roles, but I'm thinking of, like, The Farewell, right? Yeah. And she's like phenomenal in that like very serious and mm-hmm. intimate sort of role and I want to see more of like that side of her instead of just like the comic relief. But Yeah. I mean if it's a Marvel production I can see it being more like surface level, unfortunately. Yeah. I could see it being like a bit of both. Like you get your kind of general comic relief Aquafina, but I could see them giving her because in the farewell like we know that she's capable of doing like very intense emotional scenes so i could see them giving her a mm-hmm. little a little something more to do yeah yeah we'll find out yeah 
Um, yeah, what did you guys think of the other two trailers? Uh, I think The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. First of all, they should have just called it The Conjuring 3. Like, the, the, se- the second Conjuring was just The Conjuring 2, and that worked. So, like, the title, it just, it just feels too long. Um, but I think the movie looks very good. I think it looks in line with the past two Conjuring movies. Uh, this is the first, like, main series Conjuring movie that James Wan has not directed. I don't remember who's directing this, but it's not him. Um, but I honestly couldn't really tell. It looked like a natural uh, continuation of those movies. And I like those movies, so I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the MODOK trailer, it kind of just like feels like Marvel's version of the Harley Quinn animated series. Maybe that's yep. just like on my mind recently because I'm watching that right now. But it's uh, a raunchy animated take on a character that's absurd. And it looks good. Like I, I think it looks funny. I think it looks like it's going to be like an enjoyable show but also like i think it's a little late i guess like it, it feels like it's not the first show to do this kind of shtick yeah um, they kind of be like hey superheroes but they're kind of funny like, yeah. you know yeah. like yeah yeah it's kind of poking fun of the, at the genre has been done a lot at this point yeah so um yeah i think the conjuring looks good patrick wilson and his sideburns are back yes. grace um it's directed by Michael Chavez, um, who's only the only other thing he's directed is The Curse of La Llorona, which is also in this universe. Yeah, and oh, it was bad. Probably. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard not good things yes. about it. Um, so take that as you will. But hmm. um, yeah, I think it looks pretty good. Do you think uh, someone? Do you think the guy's gonna say the devil made me do it in this movie? Oh, 100 percent. Like he's got to. <laughs> he's got to. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> He's going to look right at the camera and say, the devil made me do it. And like right like, at the like three quarters. Yep. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That'll be good. That's it. Yeah. Cool. What do you think of, uh, do you have any thoughts on either of these trailers, Mia? Did either of them <laughs> speak to you? I mean, I really liked the Conjuring one. I think it, yeah, I mean, it's definitely spooky, but I feel like it was different enough from the other ones but that might also just be because i've seen them like i guess somewhat recently i think we watched those for halloween yeah yeah or in october um i don't know i hate how i think in the in all three movies like the bad guy is like a woman (laughs) it's like (laughs) she's cursing this family like you are correct. Yeah, I don't know. It's true. I don't know. I, I haven't thought about only, it that way. But yeah. That only came to me while watching this, but because then it's always like the connection between what's her face, uh, Vera Farmiga. Yeah, but the whatever her character's Elaine. name is, Elaine. Warren? Yeah, is that? Yeah, I, I think it's know. Elaine. Yeah, I think it's Elaine. Yeah, Ed and Elaine. Yeah, maybe that sounds, sounds right. right. Yeah. Because it's always like the connection between her and then like the mother's like grief mm-hmm. that turns Lor- into Lorraine her. Warren. Lorraine. Lorraine. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll see. But it looks it looks intriguing. I would say. Is it so? Is it um like year wise? When did the first one like? When were those events? I have no idea. Okay. I feel like that was seventies because this one was eighty one. I think. Yeah. I think it came up. So I don't know. It's yeah. I'm I'm excited. I guess. Yeah. And this is one that's going up on uh, HBO Max day and date as well. I wow. believe sometime in June. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Modoc I think also premieres in June. Um, I think it's fun that. Uh, um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, 
the guy that voices Modoc, uh, Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt. Uh, I think it's fun that he's in this. Uh, also, um, I think John Hamm voices a character in this, and there's a few other like big names attached nice. to this. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'll definitely give it a shot. But yeah, um, The Conjuring Two is set two years before The Conjuring Three. So say that again. That just went right over my so head. So this new one is set two years after Wonderful. the second one. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Do you think the nun's gonna be in this one? Probably not. I, I feel like they did a pretty good job banishing the nun. At oh the yeah, end of the second they one. did do that. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I. I feel like they'll like still they'll have like flashbacks of her being haunted by the nun or something yeah. just yeah. tied together. Yep. I feel like I I like the trailer. There wasn't like a particular scare that I was like that was a good scare. It was just like someone's in a waterbed and there's a lady behind a tree. <laughs> I think. I mean, op- to be fair, my screen is incredibly dark like this computer is dying no, I, I, yeah. I think there would have been more actually in but it. i watched like i watched the trailer before and i was just okay. like i'm not that scared by this yeah i think just my favorite part of the trailer is like the opening scene yeah. like just with with the cop driving by the guy uh, and i think uh, that actor did a really good job of like delivering that line of like oh, i think i hurt someone like yeah. I just, I, like that i think me the in. devil made me <laughs> <laughs> just from the get-go he's like staring at the camera yep. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, But yeah, so from there, we'll jump into our main topic for the week. Uh, And so the Oscars of this week. Um, So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this award season has been unnaturally long. Like, I feel like it did not... I feel like the Oscars did not need to be at the end of April. I feel like you could have had them two months ago, and these nominations would have been the exact same, mm. um, and just nothing would have changed. Um, Was so, it just because of COVID things, I guess? Yeah, like they delayed it this far so that they could extend like the eligibility yeah. period, but also like I feel like most of these movies came out a while ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. There's probably other complicated business reasons that I don't understand. Um, but yeah, so we're going to go ahead and give some some predictions uh, what what t- what categories do we want to do? Do we want to do all the categories? Do we just want to do like some of the main ones? Um, How do we want to do this? I think what we could do is do some of the main ones just for the sake of time. I have an Oscar ballot pulled up, um, and I think for the main ones, what we can do because because we usually play play a game to see who can yep. guess the most, um, and I think we should take we should lock in our picks right now for the main ones, okay. and then. We are held to that for like our the game that we will play. And oh, then, really? And, oh, and that's then, intense. And then when we come back and talk about the results next week, we can be like, who won? Yeah, I support so, that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so do we just want to do like best picture, director, and then the four acting categories? Do we want to do anything beyond those? I'm cool with just that. And yeah. then we can do, because I feel like those are the only ones that like right now I feel pretty comfortable giving predictions yeah. for. And everything else I'm kind of like... We can talk about know. reactions to the rest next week. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Um, so I've got it pulled up here. So let me scroll and find the the categories we need. Um, so for best supporting actress, uh, we've got Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. We have Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, uh, Olivia Coleman for The Father, uh, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yejung Yoon for, Min- for Minari. Um, so do we want to do like a should win, will win thing? And then the will win is like our prediction or sure, however fine. we want to do it. I think for some of these, I will be like, I've only seen one of these performances, so I don't know. But 
I have seen cheap. so I've seen three of these performances. Nice. I've seen Maria Bakalova in Borat's subsequent movie film, uh, Olivia Coleman in The Father, and Ye Jung Yoon in Minari. I think Ye Jung Yoon is going to win, uh, and I think she should win. So hmm. that is that is my I'm throwing that out there. That is my guess. What do you guys think? Wow. I've uh you're telling me that you haven't seen Hillbilly Elegy, that apparently very bad movie? Yeah, I have not. Which I think is just hilarious. Again, I we talked about this when these nominations came out. But Glenn Close got nominated for a Razzie for this exact same performance this year. Wow. Which I think is hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. Um you know, I don't really know because I've only seen Amanda Seyfried and Mank. I I'm pretty confident it's not going to be her because I think she's fine, but I don't really know why she got nominated in the first place because I wasn't like, yes, that was a great performance. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think I'm think i also going to go with Ye Jung Yoon just because I feel like Olivia Coleman's won before. Um, I don't think they'll give it to Maria Bakalova for Borat. Like, I think that, that would just be wild if yeah. they actually gave her the Oscar for that. I think this isn't necessarily a weak like group of act like of performances but i don't i think if there ever was going to be a year where a borat an actress from borat could win it would be this year yeah is that fair to say do you think i think so yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i will go with yojong yoon what do you think mia well i have also only seen minari from this um i had meant to see the father and then it just never happened um and i probably won't see the other ones yeah, that's fair. So I, I don't know. I'm gonna, based on what you said about Olivia Coleman's performance, I'm gonna go with Olivia Coleman. That's 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 my reasoning. Um, I think that she's really great in general. <laughs> like, there's a reason she got nominated right. this year. Like, it's a fantastic performance. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm split on this as well. But it's also hard because I have only seen Minari, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, so moving into the the best supporting actor category, we've got Sacha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago Seven. We've got Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Uh, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. This is one that my instincts tell me that Daniel Kaluuya is going to win this, just because he's fantastic in Judas and the Black Messiah. I feel like it's about time for Daniel Kaluuya to win an Oscar, mm -hmm. and this is an Oscar-worthy performance. Um, so I think if I had to say who I think is going to win, I would go Daniel Kaluuya. As for who I think should win, I would probably split that between Daniel Kaluuya and Paul Racy for The Sound of Metal. Because Paul, and I don't think, I don't think there's a zero percent chance that Paul Racy actually wins this. I think there is a solid possibility that he he gets in there and wins this, which I I think I would prefer, um, just because he is incredible in the sound of metal um but yeah so if i had to lock in a choice i'll probably lock in daniel kaluuya um but with a, with a potential upset with Dan, with uh paul racy what do you guys think so i've actually seen all of these performances i just realized that and i that made me kind of happy it's <laughs> the only category where that's the case um this is really tough like i think all of these performances are outstanding yeah um i think narrowing it down a little bit i think sasha baron cohen is really good in the trial of the Chicago seven, but I feel like that's a movie where he doesn't necessarily stand out above the other very good performances in that <laughs> movie. I think that's, as we've talked about a very just strong ensemble movie. Um, so I think I can eliminate him there. Leslie Odom jr. 
very good in One Night Miami as well, but also just in general, um, there's a lot of really good performances in that movie. Uh, I think he was definitely a standout in that in that in that film, but I don't think he's going to win. Um, so that kind of leaves yeah Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and Paul Racy. Paul Racy is amazing in The Sound of Metal. Like I just I loved his performance. Um, kind of reading a little bit about him. Um, he is not deaf himself, but his parents were both deaf, and he, like, grew up in the deaf community. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he's um, very fluent in sign language, and I think he just... It's just such a convincing performance, and it's done with such, such like, tenderness, and I think that character is just such a strong character as well. Um, and I love his relationship with Razamed's character, um, which we'll get to. Um, but, yeah, I... I, I hate to be repetitive, but I think I think Paul Racy should win, in my opinion. I feel like it's kind of between Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, and I think I'd probably le- lean Daniel Kaluuya. So that is my pick as well. Nice. What do you think, hmm. Mia? This is very tough. I... I think I was very... I think we talked about this, but that I was very surprised when I saw that... Um, Danny Kaluuya was nominated for in a supporting role because it seemed like it was more of a just lead role. See, I feel the opposite way, right. actually. I, I feel like Daniel Kaluuya is the supporting role and then Lakeith Stanfield is the lead. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, Interesting. I, I feel like Lakeith is like, he's the, the point of view character. Like yeah. He's yeah. the protagonist. We don't really get a lot of Daniel Kaluuya's perspective yeah. in that movie. But yeah, hmm. I, I think it's weird that they both were nominated for the same category. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I my my heart tells me Lakeith Stanfield, and I think I'm gonna stand by that because I kind of want to will it into existence. Yeah. I think, and it's hard because overall I didn't really like this movie that much. I, like I wasn't blown away or anything. <laughs> I think I really did like those two performances that were nominated. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna say Lakeith Stanfield, and I'm gonna say should win. <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield. I don't know. I I feel <laughs> like I have the same person just because I'm like, well, my opinion is right. Yeah. Um, also, it'd be very satisfying to have Academy Award winner Lakeith Stanfield. Definitely, that but, would be yeah. really really nice. I he's so cool. I <laughs> yeah. I love him. Like I just think he's very very cool. Yeah. Um, and also I suppose I should say that I haven't. That is the only movie that I've seen of this list. So I'm very, very biased. Um, I'm hoping to... So here's the thing. If I watch Sound of Metal like this weekend, like tomorrow night, mm-hmm. would I be able to change my answer if like I was really wowed? I would... I think I'd say so. I, th- I feel like... No. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we don't have to be like locked sure, into sure. our picks okay, right now. I okay. feel like the day I need of... To think. We'll, we can print out some Oscar ballots and like actually like... Fill them out then, and yeah, I think if like if you because I will try to watch at least one or two more of the best picture nominations before Sunday, yeah, um, and maybe all of them, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Um, and if if I am swayed, then like yeah, but yeah, yeah, hmm. okay, so, yeah. I guess you're not locked into your decisions now. Thank yeah, you. So it you, takes a lot you, of pressure. You can be, be kind of wishy washy if you want. Thank you, thank you. That that helps a lot. 
yeah. So yeah, moving into the the best actress category, um, which I think the best actress category might be the most stacked category this mm. year, um, just because like so the nominations are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Andre Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for pe- for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. I think all five of these actresses have kind of been like the race in like every awards uh like film awards um mm-hmm. like ceremony this award season and i think all five of them have won at some point or another hmm. like it's been kind of like evenly spread between the five of them so honestly like you could just like put them all up on a, on a wall and like throw a dart and just like whoever like that i feel like that's how you could pick just because they're all great um personally i think i would like francis mcdormand to win um, just because I think she is incredible in Nomadland. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't she just win a few years ago, though? Yep. Uh, for for uh, uh, three billboards yes. outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, so I don't know if she will win. I think I would like her to. I think Viola Davis would be my guess. Um, but so I think I'll, I'll I'll go with Viola Davis will win. Um, but I think that there's a chance that Carrie Mulligan sneaks in there for Promising Young Woman. Um, because while I didn't like love that movie as much as most people are, I think she is undoubtedly incredible in that movie. Um, so yeah, uh, I would like Frances McDormand, but I think it'll either be Viola Davis or Carrie Mulligan. Um, so unlike last category, I have seen none of these performances. So <laughs> I just kind of have to take a guess. I, you know... I think I'm going to go with Carrie Mulligan. I don't I have nothing to base that off of, but she's probably pretty good. <laughs> and she also is has not has she been nominated before at all? I think she was nominated for an education. Yeah, an education, okay. which we yeah. watched in Dixon's class. Forgot about Correct. that movie. Um, it was an okay movie. She was okay. really good. She's really good. It's a weird movie. Well, but, I do um, not like it. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I have nothing this is this will probably be something that uh, I will change, but Yes, Carrie Mulligan for now. Nice. Um, hmm. This is also tough because I have only seen... Well, okay, I've seen Pieces of Woman and I saw Nomadland. Um, Kyle, I'm with you on this. I think Frances McDormand is going to win. Well, I guess I'm not totally with you. I think she should win and I think she will win. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Vanessa Kirby's performance is... It's very good, but overall, I was wowed more with Francis's story, I think. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, that's just me and how I kind of related to um, how both stories were told, um, both, like, th- from the director's point of view, but then also how the actress portrayed it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a very, very understated performance that there's a lot there, Um that's worth several rewatches, um, and yeah, I I don't think this opinion is gonna change. Um, yeah, that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah. Uh, so moving into the best actor category, I think this category is also very stacked. We've got Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman in Mank, and Stephen Yun for Minari. Um, I think this is going to go to Chadwick Boseman, um, like just because that's kind of the the conclusion that everyone's coming to. Uh, I haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, so I can't speak to his performance in it. Um, but 
I think if there were to be someone that would upset that win, it would be Anthony Hopkins in The Father. Um, there have been a lot of, like, you know how, like, the week before the Oscars, there's always the anonymous, uh, the anonymous Oscar ballots articles that comes out where Academy members talk about who they voted for and why. And there have been a lot of people that have said, I think Chadwick Boseman's going to win, so I voted for Anthony Hopkins. And so I think there's a chance that Anthony Hopkins upsets Chadwick Boseman. Um mm which I still think it's going to be Chadwick Boseman, and that's what my answer is. Um, if I were to pick, I would probably go, having not seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I can only judge based on what I have seen, I would either go uh, Anthony Hopkins in The Father or Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. Um, but yeah, it's going to be Chadwick Boseman, as it probably should be. So Yeah, I think um, I, I've also not seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, so I cannot judge. I think... From what I've heard, he gives a um, an Oscar-worthy performance, like regardless of mm-hmm. you know him him passing away. Um, but I think I think he absolutely probably will win. Um, the only two I've seen are Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal and Gary Oldman in Mank. Um, Gary Oldman is fine in Mank. He's Gary Oldman. He's an alcoholic screenwriter. Um, it's it's not a particularly like whoa, this is something different kind kind of performance. <laughs> Um, so I think from just from what I have seen, I think Chadwick Boseman will win, but I would say Riz Ahmed should win in my heart. So what do you think, Mia? Uh, I, hmm. Well, I don't know if this will change cause I'm hoping to see Sound of Metal this weekend. So I don't, I don't think this is going to change. I think, I think Chadwick, Chadwick will win. I think I don't know. And this is also hard because I wanted to see The Father like ages ago and then I never did. And I feel like my opinion would probably be changed if I had seen it. But I think Stephen will. Or should, sorry, should. I think Chadwick will and I think Stephen should. Okay. Um. Yeah. I think I Stephen Young, I don't think he's going to win this year, but I think at some point Stephen Young will be an Academy Award winner. Um, just because he is that level of a performer, I think. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so moving into the best director uh, category, we've got Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, uh, Emerald Vanell for Promising Young Woman, David Fincher for Mank, uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round. This is going to be Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao is winning everywhere. Chloe Zhao deserves to win this. Nomadland is an incredible film, um, and I think Chloe Zhao's directing is a very large portion of what makes that movie as good as it is. Um, so yeah, I think hundred percent. This is Chloe Zhao. What do you think? Yeah. I think based on everything I have heard, I think Chloe Zhao is going to win. Um, absolutely. Um, I've only, I've seen Mank, which as I've said many times, I don't think, I think Mank is totally fine. I think it is one of David Fincher's weaker movies. Um, based on just what I've seen, I feel like Thomas Vinterberg is great like he, he he directs that movie really really well i think that's a besides mads mickelson's performance i think that's a main reason why another round works really well is mm-hmm. his direction um so i think i will go with that he should win at least just based on what i have seen um but i think chloe Zhao will win hmm. i had this differently and then hearing from kyle was like hmm maybe i should just go with my gut i think chloe Zhao should win and i think she will but again, that's very biased because I have only seen um, Nomadland and what else have I seen on this list? 
Minari. Minari. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. So I don't know. But yeah, I would I would be thrilled if she did win and I think it would be super, super deserved. So yeah. Yeah. Um so then moving on to Best Picture. I believe there are eight nominees this year. We have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I think this is a really solid list of nominees. I think uh, as I said, when these nominations came out, I think any one of these movies could end up winning. Um, but if I had to pick, I think it's going to be Nomadland. Um, that's just kind of the way things are going. I think Nomadland is an incredible film, um, and I think it deserves to win. Um, so my pick is Nomadland. Um, but I guess if I had to pick one to upset it, I would probably... Hmm. I don't. I don't even know what which one I would go with. Um, if something was gonna beat Nomadland out, maybe Sound of Metal, maybe Judas and the Black Messiah, maybe even Mank. Um, not. I haven't seen Mank. Mank is the one film on this list I haven't seen, um, but it did get the most nominations. Um, which is baffling to me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think a lot of that is like technically it's very good. Yeah. So and yeah. Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Oh, they sure do. So, um, but yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Nomadland though. Nomadland's going to win. Yeah. So I've seen half of these. Um, I've seen Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, not sure if you all could tell, but I just watched Sound of Metal and I absolutely love it. Um, I think that's my favorite of these that I've seen um so i think in what i feel is my like favorite movie of of this bunch it's absolutely sound of metal but um yeah i think nomadland is definitely a not a super safe choice but i think is definitely the favorite right now um i could see something like i guess mank because i feel like mank is like a pretty commercial like popular one or like you know like it's by a very established director and it's gary oldman and it's about mm-hmm. hollywood and, and i feel like it's kind of a classic best picture type winning movie um so i could see that i could see trial of the chicago seven um or maybe sound of metal i feel like sound of metal is kind of an underdog but maybe i i just have lots of fond feelings for that um but yeah i think i'm gonna go with nomadland hmm. interesting um I I think Minari is going to take this and I think that it would be deserved um but I also think that um Nomadland should um and again I've only I feel like I say this every single time but I've only seen 3 on this list um but yeah I think I'm trying to remember last year's Oscars and how I felt when they did, because it it goes best director and then best picture, right? That's like the last. I feel like I don't remember my feelings when they announced best act or best um, director. Um, And if that changed anything of how I thought, because I remember I guessed best picture wrong. I remember that. So I don't know if that will change at all. If I think that um, Chloe will be, will win best director and then, minari i don't know what i'm saying right now but i think i think nomadland should um i i just liked it more than minari but i think minari is gonna take it yeah all right um so yeah those are our predictions for the oscars that are this sunday night um yeah just to wrap up this has been episode 48 of cinebraskans the daily nebraskan entertainment podcast 
Uh, as always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman, as well as Mia Everding. And yeah, um, I think this is going to be a pretty by-the-numbers Oscar Oscars this year, not getting a, not getting a host again. Um, and we'll see how they do it with having, because it's going to be at like two separate locations because of COVID. Hmm. And also they're like not requiring people to wear masks, which seems weird. That is weird. Um, huh. But yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, we'll, next week we'll be talking about our reactions to this and also probably more details about Falcon and the Winter Soldier because Mia will have Ooh. seen it. Um, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thanks for tuning in. See ya. Bye.